Welcome to the Salem Fields Community Church Podcast of the Weekly Message. We hope that you find this podcast personally helpful, and we also encourage you to share the subscription link found at salemfields.com podcast with your friends that might be able to use some practical advice and encouragement. Uh, good morning. Welcome to church. I got two hecklers up here on the front row. If the ushers could take them out, it'd be appreciated. <laughs> I thought my zipper was down or something was going bad. <laughs> anyway. Hey, how many of you, if I gave you, if I had tickets, free tickets to the Super Bowl, how many of you would take them? Yeah, Redskins would certainly, certainly be in there. But do you know that our Super Bowl for the believers is coming up? We have Super Bowl Sunday coming in two weeks, Easter Sunday. And we got free tickets, and Lance knows we got plenty of empty chairs, and we got more in the back. And so it'll be a great, great time for you to invite somebody. 80%. I just got an email this week from a. For a friend who said that they sent an email out to church and said that they did a study and 80% of people would likely come to church if we would just invite them. So I'm going to count on you guys that we're going to invite, we're going to fill this place up on Easter Sunday, standing room only, because there's nobody, is there anybody have someone in their life that you just want them to go to hell? (laughs) You know, I got some enemies, I don't want them to go to hell. And so let's invite those people to come to church with us on Easter Sunday. They'll most likely come. So will you say, raise your hands and say, I solemnly swear. No, I won't do that. I'm going to invite some friends, and I hope that you'll join me because it is the time uh, that people will most likely come to church. And we've got a great opportunity to expand the kingdom and shrink hell. And that's what I'm into, expanding the kingdom and shrinking hell. Hell's big enough, and it's one too much. And we're going to take back the territory that the enemy is trying to take from us, our children, you know, our families, our friends, and uh, we're just going to do it right, and we just hope that you'll join us and be a part of You don't even have to pimp your ride, but I can't wait to see that pimp ride there. I mean, I can't wait to see <laughs> I, I, I Just forget it. I, just forget it. <laughs> I'm going to start the message now. And uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't think I'll get forgiven for that one, but anyway... <laughs> A local bar was so sure that its bartender was the strongest man around that they offered a standing $1,000 bet. Now, the bartender would take a lemon and he would squeeze all the juice until all the juice out of that lemon ran into a glass and he would hand the lemon off to a a patron there and anyone who could squeeze one more drop of juice from that lemon would win the prize, would win the money. Now, many people had tried over the years. I mean, many strong people, weightlifters, longshoremen, but nobody could do it. And one day, this scrawny little man came in wearing thick glasses and a polyester suit and and in a tiny, squeaky voice, he said, I'd like to give that bet a try, or something like that. And, (laughs) And after the laughter had died down, the bartender said, okay, and he grabbed the lemon, and the bartender squeezed that lemon, and then he handed the, the uh, wrinkled remains of the lemon to the little man. But uh, the crowd's laughter turned to total silence as the little man clenched his fist around that lemon and six drops fell into that glass. And as the crowd cheered, the bartender paid the $1,000 and he asked the little man, he said, little man, what do you do for a living? He said, are you a lumberjack, a weightlifter, or a boxer or something? And the man replied, no, I work for the IRS. Well, you know, I I love IRS people, <laughs> but I just told that because it's that time of year. It's uh, 
It's tax season. How many of you have your taxes finished? Wow. Goodness gracious. Gays behind. Uh, how many of you got your refund? And how many of you, you don't have to raise your hand, have tithed off that refund? <laughs> anyway, I just wanted to get that in too, you know, since it is tax season. Well, today uh, it seems so appropriate to get to know a man who worked for the RRS, the Roman uh, Revenue Service. Uh, he was a tax collector, and his name was Zacchaeus. And he's one of the better-known characters in the New Testament. Every child that ever went to Sunday school was familiar with him. How many of you are familiar with Zacchaeus? A lot of you. Some of you are not. Well, that's good. I'll be able to enlighten you today. But many of you then know this song. So we're going to stand together, and we're going to sing this little song. And... Okay, Phil. Phil, you come over here. You come over here, Phil. I hope they know it better. Yeah, right here. They're good right here. You told me to come right here. Yeah, they're right there. I know. I'm going to get out of the way. You go over on that side, Phil. On the other side, the kids. There we go. <laughs> okay, good. No one's blocking me now. Okay, sure. Okay. saying that are like little children and you'll be going to heaven. The Bible says that unless we become like little children, and some of you are like, I'm not singing that song. <laughs> well, anyway, huh? <laughs> we're going to talk about the wee little man today, the wee little man named Zacchaeus. Now, the gospel of Luke uh, is the only place that uh, the story of Zacchaeus is found, and he only gets 10 verses uh, that are devoted to this story. And yet his brief biography has found its place in the Gospels, in, in Luke, the Gospel, right there in a prominent place in the Bible and biblical history. And one day, Zacchaeus climbed a tree and his life was never the same again. Luke 19, verse 1 through 10. Jesus entered Jericho and, and, and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus and he was a chief tax collector and he was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him. Since Jesus was coming that way, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay in your house today. So he came down at once and he welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and they began to mutter. He has gone to be the, to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Lord, look, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to your house. 
Because this man too is the son of Abraham, for the son of man has come to seek and save what was lost. And so we have an incredible story of Zacchaeus that uh, that's only shown up in 10 verses in the gospel. So today's sermon is for all the short people here today. Now I'm not just talking about people that are short in stature because there are some tall people here today that live and feel short every day of their life. And we also have people here today who are short but have learned to live tall. Now, I don't know if that confused you or not, but I hope that I can clear that up. But so really, this message is for those of you who are short and uh, for those of you who are tall but feel and live short. Now, here's what I mean by that. Some of us here today, some of you feel intellectually short. I mean, you know, uh, 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 you say to yourself, I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer. You know, I'm not the brightest bulb. But, and, and, and you, so you live your life feeling intellectually short. And then there are those who live and feel short vocationally. You don't even like to talk about your job to others. You're ashamed of the place that you work, your vocation, and so therefore you live a short life. Some people live and feel educationally short. You didn't go far in school. You turned 16 and you were done with school. And then there are those who are athletically short. You pray when you're on the ball field or playing sports that no one throws the ball to you. Or you don't get chosen last. You know, you don't even want to get chosen. And you know, we have those who are physically short ones too. You wouldn't be seen dead on the beach in a bikini. You just wouldn't. I wouldn't either. I wear Speedos, but I don't wear bikinis. And so, can you imagine that mess, what that would be? <laughs> anyway, sorry. I get a picture of that. It, 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 like, messes me up. And I'd appreciate it if y'all wouldn't get a picture of it, though. <laughs> and then we have the attractively short people who don't like the person they see in the mirror. And then we have the materially short people. You're ashamed to be seen in your car because it doesn't live up to what you think. In your eyes, it's a junker. And so you don't even park it uh, where anybody can see you get out of it. Next, you have the relationally short people who live a really lonely life. Because you think that no one would ever possibly be interested in marrying you or even be interested in being your friend. And so you live short relationally. And then you have the emotionally short people who think the abuse or the pain or the hurtful words you received as a child at the hands of someone else is somehow your fault and you still believe those lies. And so therefore you live emotionally short. And then you have those who live spiritually short. I mean, you look at yourself and you say to yourself, I've made far too many mistakes. I've made far too many bad choices. Man, I have sinned. I'm the worst sinner I've ever. And I've done too many things wrong to ever be loved by God. And then finally, you have those who are short in stature. I mean, you feel, you feel like you're overlooked and forgotten in a crowd and people just speak over you and you're just, you're just a forgotten person. Zacchaeus is one of the most famous short people in all of history. As we read one day, Jesus was passing through Jericho, and that was Zacchaeus' hometown, and Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector in Jericho, and he was quite wealthy, and he wanted to see Jesus because he was too short, and as a short man, uh, he couldn't see over the crowds, and so he ran in front of the crowds, and the Bible says he climbed up in a 
sycamore tree so he could see the man that he'd heard and read so much about because he wanted to get a glimpse of him. Now, I read this week that there's an ancient sycamore tree that's still standing in Jericho and it's surrounded by a fence and it's alleged to be the very tree from which Jesus called Zacchaeus. There's a picture of that. They say that's the very tree that old Zacchaeus climbed up and Jesus stood under and said, come on down, Zacchaeus, because I'm going home to dinner with, with dinner with you tonight. They say that tour buses stop by that sycamore tree and they take pictures beneath it. Now, when Jesus reached the sycamore tree, he looked up and he said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. And Zacchaeus came down at once and he welcomed Jesus into his home gladly. Now, the people in the crowd, they began to mutter about that. And, 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 and they said, he's going to be at the guest of a sinner. Can you imagine that? And they were right. Zacchaeus, history tells us, was the worst kind of sinner there was. And as the chief tax collector for the Roman government in the prospering city of Jericho, the position that he had was a very covenant position. I mean, other people wanted that position. They wanted that job. Bible scholars say he probably had a, a staff of tax collectors. And, and he was very, very possibly the most hated man in all of Jericho. He was regarded as a traitor to his own people. He and his cohorts could stop a person in uh, Jericho and assess duties on nearly everything that he or she had in their possessions. In other words, <coughs> excuse me, if they had a cart, for instance, uh, they could be taxed for each wheel on that cart. They weren't just taxed for the cart, they were taxed for each wheel and the cart itself. They could be taxed for the animal that pulled that cart and, and they could be taxed for all the merchandise that they carried in the cart. Now, Zacchaeus would then uh, send a portion of all of his collections to the government and everything that uh, was left over, anything that was left over, he was free to keep. You see, the system back then was set up uh, for fraud and abuse. And the Bible says he was a wealthy man. And, and as you read that, it's kind of like some kind of accusation against him. And it was. You see, he accumulated his wealth at the expense of all of his countrymen. And he was regarded, now he was regarded as human filth. Think of that. He was regarded as human filth. Now Zacchaeus, whose name meant the pure one and the righteous one, was anything but pure and righteous. Now the mention of his name in that city evoked disgust. When somebody would mention his name, they would feel just disgust toward, toward him and toward his name. Now this was the kind of man that Jesus went home with. Now think about that. This is the kind of man that looked up in the old sycamore tree and said, come on down, Zacchaeus, I must go to your house for dinner tonight. And Zacchaeus climbed down under that tree and he gladly accepted the invitation to go see Zacchaeus. And go spend time with Jesus and have dinner with him. It's almost to me, you know, when you read the Bible and you read the Gospels, it's almost like to me that Jesus just loved getting people wired up. You know, that he just loved to make the crowd just get them all amped up and fired up and, and, uh, and, 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 and just talking about him and murmuring about him. And, uh, and so he was having dinner with the most hated man in town, a man who was wicked and corrupt and regarded as an enemy of the people. Now, when you think about that, it's not, under, it's not hard to understand why Jesus was viewed as a controversial person. I mean, think about it. He's going to the, he's going to have dinner at the house of the people 
of a man who has hurt the people deeply financially, has really abused them. And here Jesus was going, so it's not under, hard to understand why he was viewed as a controversial people, person who hated, was hated by so many people. But you know, what I've come to understand about grace over the years, you know, grace is, grace is, is something that when you think about it, it's always controversial when it's lived out. Grace is always controversial when it's lived out. You know, in the church, and I love the church, we love to sing Amazing Grace. I mean, there are some people that would just stand up and sing from the top of their lungs if we were to sing Amazing Grace. We love to sing Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound. Until that grace comes to our house. You know, until that grace is extended to the people we don't approve of. You know, we love to talk about grace when we talk about our life and our family and our children. We love to say, man, God's grace, God's grace saved me. God was a wicked person and God saved me. We love to sing about amazing grace until that person's lifestyle doesn't live up to what we believe it ought to be. When they're, when, you know, when they're, when they, when they're just not, uh, when they don't do things in life that we approve of and they're just different than we are and, you know, they're disgusting to us and their lifestyle or whatever, you know, then it's not so amazing then. It's not amazing to us unless we approve of that person. Now the crowds muttered in their weekly small groups when Jesus went home. I mean, when he went home with Zacchaeus, I mean, the small groups lit up. And they were talking about him and they were, you know, gossiping about him. But look what happened at the dinner table. Zacchaeus, who had lived short all of his life, finally stood tall. And he made this announcement. He said to Jesus, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay them back four times the amount. Now, now that is a short man living tall. One dinner with Jesus. And this small man now has a big heart. This short man now has a big heart and he's starting to live tall. You see, Zacchaeus went way beyond what the law required. You see, the Old Testament law says if you're repaying stolen property, then you pay back what you stole plus 20%. Now, this, this was considered adequate restitution by the law. Now, that's another whole sermon. We could talk another whole sermon about restitution, about when we wrong somebody, how there are times that God calls us to go make our wrongs right uh, with people. And, and so uh, Zacchaeus was making restitution, and it was uh, far beyond what was adequate. Not only that, but Zacchaeus uh, gave half of everything he had to the poor. What an incredible act of repentance. I mean, that is saying, you know what? I have cheated people, I have robbed people, and I am really sorry. And he gives back half of everything to the poor that he had cheated people out of. And as a result, look at what Jesus said to Zacchaeus. Today, salvation has come to this house because this man, too, is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. Now, Salem Fielders, this is the story. The story of Zacchaeus is what grace looked like. If you're confused on what grace is, let this story, just let this story penetrate the depths of your heart. I mean, this was a despised man who did despicable things, who cheated and robbed people continuously. He was the most hated man. He was a vile man. And his name was mentioned like human filth. 
And yet, God went to his house. Jesus called him down. Jesus went to his house, had dinner with him. He comes out of the house. He has repented. He has made restitution. And he has done that because the grace of God was extended to him. I mean, this was the most unlikely person ever to receive God's grace. There's no better picture of what God's grace looks like than the story of Zacchaeus and his life and his conversion. Reverend Angela Askew puts it this way. What Jesus showed to the chief tax collector in Jericho is that God accepts and transforms the unacceptable, loves the unlovable, forgives the unforgivable. You see, in Jesus' death, God voluntarily takes on him the nastiness and the destruction of sin. So that we can all respond to his love and grace freely and abundantly. Zacchaeus was saved by grace and invited to faith. And all we are all as well. You see, God accepts and transforms the unacceptable. He loves the unlovable and he forgives the unforgivable. Now that's grace. I read a story this week from uh, writer uh, Philip Yancey, who's a great writer. He uses a scene from the, mo- the movie Idleweed to illustrate grace. The, ca- the characters are played by Jack Nicholson and Meryl Streep. And, and they both stumble across an old Eskimo mo- a lady, a uh, woman laying in the snow. And she was probably drunk. Inebriated themselves, the two debate what they should do about her. Here she is, laying in the snow, freezing to death. And they stumble upon her. And Jack Nicholson's character asks, is she drunk? Just a bum. Been one all of her life, says Meryl Streep. And before that, Nicholson asks, she was a whore in Alaska. And before that, Nicholson asked, she said she was a whore in Alaska. Alaska, And and, and she hasn't been a whore all of her life, says Nicholson. Before that, I don't know, Streep replies, just a little kid, I guess. Just a little kid, I guess. Well, a little kid's something. It's not a bum. And it's not a whore. It's something. And they made a decision. They said, let's take her in. Let's take her in. You see, and then Yancey comments, these two vagrants, vagrants were seeing the Eskimo woman through the lens of grace. Where society saw only a bum and a whore, grace saw a little kid. A person made in the image of God. No matter how defaced that image has become. And that's what grace looks like. You know, when God sees us, he doesn't see the ugly and the nasty. He doesn't see all that. What he sees is a little kid. What he sees is his child. And he invites us in. He invites us in. And that's what grace looks like. Here's something else I want you to know. Every one of us can be recipients of God's grace. Every one of us can be recipients of God's grace. Here's what I know. There are some of you here today who I am convinced that you need God's grace. And I believe that there's some of you that, that need God's grace and you're Christian. I mean, there are some of you that somewhere in your life, you prayed the prayer of salvation, you invited Jesus into your life, you asked him to forgive you of your sins, and you made him savior of your life. But you never fully embraced God's grace in your life. You've never really wrapped your arms or your mind or your heart around that. Why is that? Because you have convinced yourself that you are too short. You convinced yourself that you're not good enough. 
And you're convinced that you've made way too many mistakes, that you've been way too unrighteous, that you've been way too unfaithful, and you've been too unmerciful to really receive God's grace. However, there are others of you here today who you've surrounded yourself with toys and houses and vacations and cars and boats and relationships and the latest technology, and you're sure... You're sure that you don't need God or His grace. You've come to realize that you just don't need His grace because you've got everything you need, supposedly. However, there are others of you who are hurting today. I mean, there are some of you that are sitting out there today or listening online or sitting in the cafe that, that you're hurting and you have no direction and you feel unlovable and you say to yourself, there's no way that God or anybody else could love me. I am unlovable. You know you need God's grace. You've come to realize that stuff and other people cannot fill that deep hole in your life. And like Zacchaeus, you know you haven't lived up to the best that you're capable I mean, you've lived, there's many of us that have lived far below. You, we've lived like short people, and God wants us to live like tall people. God wants us to live like giants, realizing that in Christ we can conquer all things, that in Christ we can do all things. But we live like little people, like short people. And we're living way below what we're capable of living. And we say to ourselves, there is no way. There's no way. And you've lived way too short. You feel way too unworthy. And you feel inadequate. You need to know that God really does love you. And God accepts you. And that you matter to Him. And that He's crazy about you. And He's not mad at you. And His grace is sufficient to fill your life to overflowing with, the, with His love. Now the story of Zacchaeus is good news for all of us. Here's the good news in this story. It makes no difference who you are. It makes no difference who I am. It makes no difference what side of the tracks you grew up on. It, it makes no difference what the kids in the playground said about you. It's mo it makes no difference what that, that parent said to you and said, or that teacher said you'd never amount to anything, or that person who took advantage of you. It makes no difference what you've done. There's no, it makes no difference what sin you've committed. It makes no difference where you spent last night. It makes no difference what you look like when you look in the mirror. It makes no difference how tall you are. It makes no difference how short you are, how slender you are, or if you're fat like me. You see, many of you are Christians. But you see yourself as a short person. And therefore, you're not living the abundant life that Christ came to give us. See, Christ didn't just come to punch our tickets for heaven. Thank God he did. But he came to give us life and life abundantly that we could live life far beyond, far above what we're living life at right at this moment in our lives. He came not only to give us life, but life abundantly. People say, I can't, get, can't wait to get to heaven. Well, I'm going to tell you what, God came so that we can wait till we get to heaven and we can enjoy an abundant life here filled with the hope and love and grace of God that we can do all things through Christ 
who strengthens us. There's nothing that the world can put on us. There's nothing that no one else can do to us that can keep us down. When we realize that we are the child of the God, the King of the Most High, the same God who hung the stars and the moon in the sky is the God who blew breath into my life. And I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, and I know that full well. And we can live like kings, and we can live like queens, and we can live abundantly when we understand God's grace. When we understand how much he really loves us. All that matters, folks, is Christ died for each of us. We don't know what happened to Zacchaeus after dinner. Doesn't mention another word. I mean, I'd love to know. What, did, he, did he reform the RRS? Or did he, you know, did he say, you know what, I'm done with this. I'm going I'm to quit doing this tax thing. You know, I don't know. Did he become the mayor of Jericho? We don't know. But we do know something. And that is that something dramatic happened in Zacchaeus' life. Because that dude changed. I mean, he came out of that meeting with Jesus. And he gave half of all young to the poor. And he paid back everyone that he had cheated. Ooh. This man who lived only for himself all of his life and what he could get and how he could steal from others reached out in restitution to those he had cheated and gave half to the poor. And I'm thinking, if that could happen to a man as sleazy as Zacchaeus, he was a sleazy guy. It could happen to you and it could happen for me. A short man named Zacchaeus was given a big heart and now his memory lives tall in our hearts and minds. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the story of a short man who has gone down in history as a tall man. And I just pray, Father, today that you would wrap your loving arms of grace and love around every person in this room, every person that's watching online, every person out in the cafe, those who are watching in the parents' room, God, those who will listen on the podcast sometime, God, I just pray in the name of Jesus, Father, that we would embrace and we would fully embrace God's grace today. That each of us would leave this place today. We may not give half of what we owe, or we own to the poor. We may not make restitution, but God, there will be a radical difference in our life because we realize that God, the creator of the universe, loves me. And loves you. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. And I just pray for you, that person, the people today who are Christians. You go to heaven, but you know that you know that you really don't believe that you're good enough. That you're living far below. You're hearing voices. You're looking in the mirror. You're looking at what you own or don't own or looking at your body and it's saying things to you that's not true. I pray for you today. I pray that you would realize today just how much you're loved. I pray for that one who has a house full of stuff and a garage full of cars and boats and gadgets and bank full of money. And Lord, they don't think they need God. If there's anyone like that listening or sitting here today, I pray, God, that you would open their hearts today.
to realize just how much you love them and they don't need stuff to fulfill their life. And Father, for those that are here today that are lonely, those that are here today hurting, feeling unwanted, not needed, abused, shut down, beat up, never received your grace, never sought forgiveness, never felt good enough to be loved and forgiven by you, God. I pray that in our closing times together here this morning, that God, you would open all of our hearts and open our mind's eye to see and receive and embrace your grace this day. Father, we love you. Father, it's our desire today that you would do something very, very meaningful during this closing time that we have together. Could we all stand and could we just worship together? If God speaks to your heart today in any way, and you want to respond to the message, you don't, now you don't have to respond to the message by coming up here, but it, if it makes you feel good, it's a good place for you to pray, and you want to come and pray, you know, it's a good place to see Jesus. It's a good place to surrender your life. It's just a nice place. If you want to pray, you can. You can pray right where you're seated. Just open your heart during this song and appreciate God's grace and embrace it fully. Will you do that? Let's sing and worship together. If you are a new Christian and would like to know what to do next or where to go from here, you will want to get a free Next Step packet that contains reading materials and useful resources that will point you in the right direction. For more information, please contact Salem Fields Community Church at 540-786-6212 or visit our website at salemfields.com or email us at podcast at salemfields.com.